Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So, you know, I, I think we uh, owe our listeners something, because uh, last week we did something we, we um, give other people a hard time for, which is that we said a lot of things that you should do, and we didn't say very much about how to do them. So we should fix that. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. I guess we should. <laughs> it's it's kind of fun to just sort of give generic advice. I mean, clearly people sh- you know would, would agree with us, hopefully. Mm-hmm. That, that that's the main thing, right? That, that what we're saying makes sense and people agree. No, I think we want to do more than that. Great. So what we talked about last time was emotional awareness, and we said it was good if you knew about your emotions, and it was good if you shared them. And we also said it was hard to do. So uh, uh, the problem is, of course, what should people do in order to become emotionally aware? And the good news is we have a bunch of techniques for doing it. Do you want to tell us about some, Jeffrey? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's it's interesting that... Um, people are often emotionally unaware. They're unaware of the feelings they're having, or they have been sort of very um, low resolution. So they they can say, they might be able to say they're feeling good or feeling bad um, and not much more. Sometimes they don't even say that. So we're, we'll start with um, one of the most interesting parts for me on this topic uh, came about, uh, I think the first time I came across it was through nonviolent communication. Uh, which is something we've discussed sort of briefly in the past. And uh, one of the resources we've talked about briefly is something that we will uh, highlight here. And this is something from the Center for Nonviolent Communication. And they have this really fantastic feelings inventory. And I I, I love this as a tool because what they have is uh, a list and it has a, a bunch of words on it and they're in two categories. And they are feelings you have when your needs are satisfied and feelings that you have when your needs are not satisfied. <laughs> and these are kind of basically good and bad categories. <laughs> exactly, but very carefully not phrased that way, which I think is interesting. Oh, that's right. And that's that's really has to do with the, the NVC model, nonviolent communication model, uh, which they would say your feelings are um, arise uh, basically because your needs are either being met or not met. And the core idea is to learn when your needs are not being met, how to ask for them to be met. You, you make a request. So this idea of the, the link between requests to meet your, your needs and the feelings that are your clues uh, is the core of it. And one of the key ideas is that the nonviolent communication, the idea is that people have natural empathy. And if you're able to express your feelings that you have uh, and the needs, that people are quite likely to try to help meet them. Uh, and, uh, and and that, and basically the, the ultimate goal of nonviolent communication is that we all have our needs met and then that, w- that would be a fantastic thing. So th- that's why feelings and working with your feelings and understanding your feelings are so central to nonviolent communication, which is why they've developed such a fantastic resource for it. Great. And and what I really like about the, the model is that that idea that there's not good and bad feelings. Because for example, let's take a concrete example. If I'm uh, late for the stand-up, and you start it without me, I might feel angry about that. Uh, I might feel um, uh, sad about that. You might say those are negative feelings. I'd say those aren't negative feelings. They're feelings about my needs not being satisfied, which are really helpful. And if I just come to the last half of the stand-up and miss the beginning and miss important information and then screw up a release later in the week, that's a very negative outcome, whereas expressing my feeling, hey, I'm angry that you guys started the startup without me, uh, the stand-up without me, that's a useful thing. That's a positive thing. That's we should feel good about that. We should be encouraging that. 
And, and especially if you go the next step, which is to, if to say that they're behind that um, angry feeling is a need that is probably positive and one people would share. It's like, I'm, I'm angry, sir, without me because I am... Uh, I, I have a need to be part of the group. I have a need to be contributing and, you know, whatever it is, you know, the, you, you have a, a need that's probably positive, making a contribution. Um, and, uh, you know, I have a need to belong or something of that nature and that's behind it. And so even our, being able to articulate to yourself why it is you feel this way, one, one of the things that happens in my experience with Nighton VC is you, you might get to the point where you request uh, that you get to say, well, you know, in the request in the future, that would meet your needs. But you also, in, in that process, might realize that what you have is a is a, is a a request that isn't um, appropriate. That it's 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 sort of like uh, I as you might say it this way in this example. Um, I'm angry that you started without me in the future. You know, I've requested in the future you never start this the stand up without me, no matter how late I am. And it could be that when I actually articulate, they go, well, that's actually now think about it. That That's not a reasonable request for me to be making. Exactly. Um, and, and so I think last time we talked about that sort of the, the value of becoming aware of being in touch with your emotions and just the challenge that people often have is they're not really aware of them. And, and what I like about this, if we come back to the feeling inventory then as a tool for helping you become aware uh, is... Uh, because they're asking you something more than simply say good or bad, and indeed to not be that judgmental, but rather more in touch with what they are, they have this very long list. Uh, and I'll just read. And the, the, the amazing thing about this list is they have all these synonyms and you know near uh, neighbors and, and fine shades of, uh, say, if I take the word under, under joyful heading, uh, joyful, they have sub words of like, Amused, delighted, glad, happy, jubilant, pleased, tickled. Under under exhilarated, they have blissful, ecstatic, elated, enthralled, exuberant, radiant, rapturous, thrilled. <laughs> Great. Words, words that people all will recognize, that native English speakers will all understand them, that, that no one will be confused by the you know uh, 60 or so words that are in the positive and 60 or so negatives. You'll, you'll understand them all. But then if you ask yourself, how often have I used these in conversation to describe myself or someone else? It's like, no, nope, nope. <laughs> I, probably not very often. So we, what it illustrates, I think, is that um, we have a very narrow emotional vocabulary in our everyday lives. And I think that leads to uh, sort of a, a, an unawareness. And I think there's, um, you know, this is sort of getting version on the safety or wharf hypothesis around uh, language uh, uh, impacting what you, what thoughts you're able to think. Uh, my experience is if, if pe people have few words to express the nuances of their emotional state, they're unlikely to be very aware of their emotional state. Yep. So, so a first step is re read the feelings inventory and try to use those feelings uh, words to describe how you're feeling. When you when you're late to the stand up, come in and say, "I I feel um, disappointed. Uh, I, I need to go find one. What could I feel about it? Um, uh, I I feel uh, anxious and cranky as a result of uh, <laughs> being late to this stand up." That, that would be a helpful thing to say rather than just saying nothing and joining it and then having a bad release later. Yeah, that, that's right. Okay. So that's one technique. What else have we got? 
Well, one thing I'll say is that uh, uh, there's one other word chart is worth sharing because people might be overwhelmed. I, I do oh, right. recommend that people uh, print out the feeling inventory and have it at hand because um, it will make this this a lot easier. Um, there's a it, people might be overwhelmed by it. There's a simpler one, um, uh, which uh, we've also provided a link to, which is from uh, Dr. David Burns and on the Feeling Good website. We've mentioned the Feeling Good podcast many times. And he has a, a nice feelings inventory. It's a, it's a bit more negative because he's he, in the, the context. Um, uh, so he is, is the, the categories are anger, anxiety, and depression. <laughs> and then mm. it breaks down into subcategories and then sub-subcategories. But it has a similar idea of, of, of giving you many, many more words to understand your state. Um, and it, it might be um, more uh, approachable for people. Um, th this one also comes, by the way, with with his uh, a checklist of his five secrets of effective communication, um, which will help remind you that feeling empathy would be when you can use these words and say something like, well, I, I expect you might be feeling uh, foolish <laughs> after that, or perhaps you're feeling mortified or flustered. Uh, those are all uh, some examples under shy, uh, which is under anxiety. So just an example of how, the, how these cascade. So it, in, in both cases, these resources try to give you more words. However, I, that, so that's a, so having that available, that's the first step. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's sufficient though, because part of the problem here uh, is that um, people uh, very often have very good um, mental models for dealing with other people, um, but they have trouble applying them to themselves. So they might look at these words and they can apply them to other people. Oh, this person's feeling uh, bewildered right now. Uh, I, oh, I, I think that person was is, is, is feeling very frazzled. Uh, they seem giddy or fascinated. <laughs> but myself, hmm, no, I'm not, I'm not really feeling anything right now. Uh, I think this is this can be common, um, and it goes back to sort of the roots of cognitive biases, um, and it's a, a flavor of uh, perhaps of naive, naive realism, which says, you know, I see the world as it is, and we our our frame of the world just feels like reality. It doesn't feel like a judgment, and so in that case, it can have this flavor of not feeling like anything at all. So um, the good news, though, and this will get to like, what can you do about it? is there are some tools uh, that we can use. And generally speaking, they all come under uh, one heading, which are, are tools of self-distancing, which, which is to say, how can I look at myself as though I'm a different person? How can I have some distance uh, uh, from myself to observe myself with the same toolkit I have for evaluating other people? How can I bring that to bear on myself? Indeed. And we've talked about this before. So we've had a podcast episode, at least one, that we'll, we'll link to in the show notes about the four R's, which is our take on a, a very common technique, uh, one from Action Science that we've mentioned many times, of uh, that requires very complicated materials, a piece of paper and a pen, <laughs> and uh, the ability to fold the paper in half. Uh, we won't go into the, the details of that technique, but you're, you're writing down what you were thinking and feeling and what actually happened in the room. And when you do both those things together, that gives you the distancing because you can look down at the paper and say, ah, there's that squirrel guy, and he's doing exactly what I told him not to do. Wait a minute, I'm the squirrel guy. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, it, it gives you a, a very nice distancing. My, my favorite story about that is from our old friend Benjamin Mitchell, 
who uh, was uh, actually tape recording back in the days of actual tape recorders, his conversations. And he would go back to his hotel room. He was consulting in a faraway place, and he would go back to his hotel room, play the tape to make one of these analyses. And then he'd shout at the, the, the tape recorder, Benjamin, stop doing that. Benjamin, don't do that. His name is Benjamin. He's Benjamin. He's shouting at the tape recorder. <laughs> but the, the benefit is that you activate the parts of your brain and the parts of your psyche that are prepared for this analysis of other people. And it gives you enough distance that you can understand uh, what your feelings might in fact be, which is exactly what we're trying to help you do today. Yes. Although, and, and this is a caveat, sometimes people will struggle with this. And that's actually the origin. As I mentioned in our last podcast, uh, the, the topic came out. One of the hints from the universe that we should talk about it was uh, uh, the London Organizational Learning Meetup and uh, that we were doing this exercise. We were having people do the four R's, do a two-column case study. And and a couple of people were saying, well, no, I you know, I, I don't have emotions at work or I'm not sure what my emotions are. Mm. So mm -hmm. then, I, so for a lot of people, the, the, the two-column case study will be enough to trigger them. But for some people, they have a little bit more difficult time, even when they're doing the self-distancing. So there's a, there's a variation on this. And, um, and it's, it, and essentially you're going to make up a story. And, um, I've, again, I get this from David Burns and he talks about applying this in a couple different ways. Um, one of one, uh, one of his, uh, was in a podcast episode, uh, when he was talking about the hidden emotion model, uh, which we also mentioned last week, last week, this is a hidden emotion model for anxiety, um, that often, uh, people who are experiencing anxiety are very nice people, and, but, and they have something that's going on that's bothering them, but they're not able to acknowledge those feelings. And so what, uh, David Burns described is, uh, having people in, in one case, tell a story about someone in their situation. So he had a very interesting example of a person, I believe he was a doctor who was also a golfer. And, um, he was, uh, describing the person, he asked him, what's a, what's a time when you, you know, last had this sort of, uh, anxiety and it was uh, some golfing is, and it's saying, well, what were you feeling? I wasn't feeling anything. Well, if you imagine a golfer, you know, here, and I think of surgery and they, and he hits this golf shot and it, uh, what, what are, what's that person that not you, but this, this, uh, this story of this golfer and they, they hit this, this ball and it, and it uh, goes off. W what are they thinking? You know, do, you know, here's a thought bubble. What, what's in, what's in their mind? And the, the person, the doctor said, um, well, they're, they're, they're probably worried a lot uh, about, uh, making a mistake and that if they, if it comes out that they made this mistake, that they'll, um, all of their, uh, um, uh, collaborators, all of their colleagues, uh, won't trust him anymore and he'll be an outcast and he'll lose his reputation and that will cause the, his business to fail and he'll, uh, uh, lose all his money and, uh, the homes will be, uh, foreclosed upon and, uh, he'll be out on the street alone. Okay. All from hitting the golf ball. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, that was, that was his story about what a random average normal golfer would be thinking. And what's clearly happening here is that now he's able to express all of his feelings, the source of his anxiety, that he could make up a story for someone else in that situation would feel. And the, and the, 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 all it took wasn't, you know, what's the whole picture of your life, what's everything that's going on, but just a moment, how might someone feel doing this action, make up a story, and they were able to articulate 
the their emotions that were hidden from themselves in that story. And and our listeners, we hope some of our listeners will be clinically depressed, and they might find this helpful as well. But many of them will not be, yes. so they may not have quite as extreme a reaction. But <laughs> taking a, an ordinary situation. And I'll have a story about this later. Taking an ordinary situation, you know, this happens all the time. I'll often say, can you just do a, a, a conversational analysis about just one of those times? Because you tell me it happens all the time. Just take one. How about yes. last Thursday? And and when you can get to an analysis of that, whether it's the, the four hours technique and the two columns or it's uh, this technique about a story, when you can concentrate on an example, you'll, you'll often find there are a lot of emotions that can come out of it. I, I didn't know this one about imagining it being about a generic person, though, because he said it's about a generic. It's some golfer somewhere, not me. Yeah. What would that golfer feel? And that brought exactly. out the emotions. That I haven't tried. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was the most extreme case of uh, of, of the stories I recall of him uh, having someone make up a story with very little context. Um, more often, I think, when, when, uh, and maybe more directly applicable for someone who's doing the two-column case study, doing the work, and, and let's be clear here, if this developing emotional awareness is doing work, you're going to have to practice is the only way to develop this. Yeah, we forgot to mention this may not be fun. <laughs> it's almost certainly it will it will be work it's a, it's about as much fun as going on a stairmaster for you know, something like that you know when 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 you're when you're out of shape it's um it uh, uh, hopefully it'll feel good when you stop <laughs> you feel good when you get the benefits later um but so i think more directly and this is another uh, david burns is uh, he had another feeling good podcast episode where he talked about the doppelganger technique uh, in in that case, he was talking about self empathy, um, but I still I think this is something that applies very uh, well to the two column case study. Um, you if you if you've got to the point where you've written out the the dialogue in the right hand column and you have the the thoughts on the left hand column, but you realize there's no emotions. Again, you can do some sort of storytelling. How would someone else feel in this situation? Not you, because you're not in touch with your emotions. But how would if you had someone who was like you? If you had someone who was a good friend, uh, uh, say, who had been through a lot of the same things you had. In fact, it had been. This is like your ident- long lost identical twin. This is where the doppelganger comes from. This is your. This is someone who has had the same kind of life experiences you've had, um, but they're not you. This is key. <laughs> it, it's sort of in. in I guess if we were uh, Star Trek universes, might might be the the person with the goatee. Uh, uh, or without the goatee, if you have a goatee, <laughs> but this is your this is your doppelganger. They're going through the same experiences, and you say, "Okay, well, how would my doppelganger? How would that person?" And maybe it helps you give them a, a name that's not your own. How would, in my case, maybe Steve? How would Steve feel if he had been in this? Uh, meeting? Mine would be hamster. Hamster, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's like that. Instead of squirrel, it's hamster. I like that. How would hamster then have felt uh, in that situation where? these things are happening and he and 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 he's thinking those things what what kind of emotions might come up and this is where you look at the feeling inventory and say okay well you know how's how's hamster going to be feeling well uh okay his, are his needs being satisfied or not satisfied um it, do you think he's likely to be confused or embarrassed afraid tense uh are they are they excited and grateful or peaceful and inspired and and you can kind of now get into and and start engaging those parts of your your mind that say, well, clearly hamster or Steve or whoever it is is likely to be would I would guess they might be feeling these emotions in that scenario, and what you come up with is going to be probably a pretty good guess on what it is that you're feeling, even if you're not aware of it. 
There you go. Okay. So should I move into this, the story that I have that relates to all this, that, that has some of these in it? Did you have more techniques to share with listeners? I'm not sure um, how, how many we want to share today. <laughs> well, the only thing I say is that having done this in our, in our offline practice, that your goal is to be able to start doing it in real time. So you want to get to the point that you can start practicing this regularly. So maybe if you're doing something like core protocols and the check-in protocol, you can start to, uh, to, to um, check in with people about what it is, the feelings you have, and that can be a useful way of practicing. But with, with that, I, I have no more techniques. Maybe tell me about the story you, you, you had this kind of experience with squirrel, or should I say hamster? Sure, and I, I didn't like, something. Yes, there you go. I actually have been called hamster once. It's uh, it was a bizarre experience. Anyway, the um, uh, exp- the the story I have is about a client, and um, uh, this person was having tremendous difficulty. I was coaching him in uh, improving his performance in this uh, team, and his difficulty was that he believed that somebody else did not trust him, and so he was interacting with this person frequently, and I. I could see why that person might not trust him. I, I, I could see the evidence in what I was observing in the company that uh, this person was asking a, a lot of very detailed questions, was doing something that we might traditionally call micromanagement. I could, I could understand this person's conclusion about not being trusted, but that didn't help us very much because it didn't change the situation. We couldn't reach into that person's brain and turn the, the trust switch. So we had to do something else about that. So what I had him do, no surprise, is uh, write a two-column case study, a, a conversational analysis with, on the left-hand side, what he was thinking and, and feeling, and most importantly, feeling in this case, and on the right-hand side, what had actually happened. He did a super job. A lot of people that do this, um, they'll cover pages and pages and pages, even though I say you can only take one paper. He, he actually only had a couple of lines. And he said, sorry, I didn't have enough time to do more. I said, this is great. It's excellent to, to concentrate on the, the key bit. And we had done what I said before. This happens all the time. Great. Pick one. How about last Thursday? He picked one and he went through it. And there were all these emotions on the left-hand side. And they were all needs not being met. He had a need to be trusted. He had a need to be uh, uh, valued. He had a need to be heard. And he didn't feel that any of these were being met. We didn't use the feelings inventory, although I'm now itching to do that, and uh, especially the um, uh, telling the story about somebody else. I'm going to use that probably in this coming week sometime. But uh, once we got to those emotions, once we had them down and he was able to distance a bit, then the exercise, and this was the very hard part, was to go and talk about those feelings with the person affected, which he was able to do. And uh, he came back and said, gosh, this guy's a lot more reasonable than I thought. Uh, we, we seem to have better relations. This experience of micromanaging and being questioned all the time isn't happening. So that was a, uh, it, it had stopped as a result of having the discussion about the feelings. So without giving too much uh, detail, I don't want to violate confidentiality. That's a case where this set of actions had a concrete, real result that uh, as a result of sharing the feelings in these ways, using these techniques, we got a, a very significant increase in, in productivity for this person. He, he was able to stop worrying and, and being anxious all the time about uh, whether he was trusted and actually relax and do his job. Fantastic. And and I, I think that really uh, is a good example of why it's worth uh, taking the time to uh, develop 
uh, emotional awareness. Um, so if you're one of the people who are saying, I, I, I'm not sure what is I'm feeling most of the time, or if you're one of the people who say, no, I, in the workplace, I really just don't have any feelings. Um, hopefully we've given you some tools here uh, and now it's up to you to, to go and and do the work. <laughs> and if you do so, get on the stairmaster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you do that, please let us know how it works out for you. We would love to hear from people who've uh, tried doing the work and and, um, and what your experience has been. Um, also, if you resist this, if you're saying if you're if you're refusing to go do the work, if you say no, I, I don't have emotions at work, and that's correct, and it's the right thing to do, and I refuse, I stubbornly refuse to uh, to try doing this work. Let us know that also. We'd love to know why that is and what your what your reasoning is. Um, so that would be uh, quite exciting for us to to hear about. Absolutely. And of course, you can do that on conversationaltransformation.com, our brand new website. I'll link to our book coming out in May, Agile Conversations. So have a look there. You can get in touch with us, join our mailing list, all kinds of other things. We're on Twitter. We're, we're all around. Come and find us. Tell us what your experience is. And of course, we always like it when you click the subscribe button, whatever that is in your app of choice, because we're here every Wednesday and we like talking to you and hearing about uh, your experiences as well. Super. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Carl.